Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection. When I was a child, you can find me a few places. One of them was in my backyard. We were lucky enough to have a fairly big backyard full of trees. So I would climb trees for hours at a time, most days of the week, and even just sit in the V of a tree and pretend I'm Oprah and interviewing people on a talk show. And I'm not making that up. Another place you could find me is in my room, just creating all sorts of things, listening to music, drawing, practicing cursive, reading books, dancing, writing, acting. Oh my goodness, if those walls could talk. Another place you could find me was going around the neighborhood selling things door to door. And when I mean selling things, I had my mom make popcorn balls and I went around the neighborhood selling them for a dollar a ball. And then when she was done doing that, I took other things from our home and sold those instead around the neighborhood. I did not know where I got that courage. You could not pay me a lot of money even to do that now. But I think I lost that child in me. I lost a lot of what made me me, this love of nature, creativity, determination, ambition. Those are all parts of me that I lost as I became a grown-up adult trying to do responsible things. And strangely enough, the past few years while I've been working on finding myself again, it has been recentering these childhood attributes that I had and inclinations. This inner child in me has made me a happier adult, and it's been interesting for me to see that connection, that who I was as a child is now coming back full circle to who I am as a better version of myself as an adult. My guest today is Nina Warburton, and she is here to talk about what that can look like for you and how this can translate in your life, both as a better and happier adult, but also as a parent to your own children. And seeing the strengths that they have as a child is not something that they need to grow up out of, but that we can embrace and help them see the thrill in their own lives and their strengths in ways that otherwise might be stuffed down. Nina has an incredible rap sheet of professional and personal experience in this regard, and we'll be sure to share that too, as well as link to her Instagram and other links in my show notes, which you can find on my website aboutprogress.com. Let's turn to my time now with Nina. I want to welcome Nina Warburton to the show. Hi, Nina. Hi, Monica. This is so, so fun. We've known each other for, I was doing the math today, 13 years don't you think it was 2005? So. Yeah. Holy cow. It's so crazy. Time flies. How about you introduce yourself to my listeners who aren't familiar with you yet? Sure. Happy to. So my name is Nina. And um, I guess simply put, I have a lot of interests and specialties and passions in my life. Um, my greatest one right now is being a wife and a mother. Uh, but I used to work as a school psychologist which is a mental health professional in the schools who helps parents and teachers and administrators manage student behavior through emotional responsiveness and regulation. I really loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, now I love talking childhood mental health with people. But I think more importantly, and kind of where my passion lies is 
I'm really interested in empowering this rising generation of parents and grandparents to do better um, as far as their emotional care for children. And I really like to utilize my Instagram account, (laughs) specifically the stories, to really teach principles and give verbiage and examples um, to teach those parents and those grandparents how to do that, like logistically day in and day out. But I have lots of other passions. I love holistic health and breastfeeding and birth and feminism and music and skincare and hair care and (laughs) uh, beauty, all that. (laughs) You're a renaissance woman. Yeah. I don't know about that, but I do uh, like following what serves me and I just encourage people to do that too. But yeah, right now I definitely have um, a focus on beauty and helping people find their own sense of beauty and then really empowering parents to to live better and do better in their parenting strategies. And this, um, your Instagram is all things Nina and that's N-E-E-N-A, correct? Yes. I would definitely recommend people check out the stories that you've highlighted. You have a lot of tough talks, um, that topics that you can cover with your children. Like you said, this is for parents and grandparents, even aunts and uncles. Like, I don't know, you, you helped me so much. And a lot of this, I thought I knew until I was listening to you and I was like, holy cow, I've learned so much. So definitely. Thank you. Yeah. People need to follow you there. It's you're amazing. Um, you are here today because, well, there's a lot of reasons I have wanted you on this show for quite a long time. And like you said, you're this Renaissance woman and I have just struggled narrowing down what I want to talk to you about. You finally did this post a few (laughs) weeks ago that was like, that's it. We've got to have her come on and talk about this. And it was, um, you were talking about your inner child. How about you share a little bit about what that post said and your own experience with this? Um, I actually was in a discussion with an older and much wiser mother who was talking to me about a principle that really resonated with me. She was saying, you know, that Christ taught uh, to become as a little child. Um, and, And that lesson was actually taught to adults. We spend our whole lives learning to be independent and to develop ourselves as these well-adjusted and well-informed, well-read adults. Um, But yet he gave us the answer right there to to be as a little child, you know, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to anything that, you know, the father wants to submit upon them. And, And that really resonated with me. She said, you know, we spend all of our lives pushing away the inner child, pushing away those childlike qualities. But in essence, really what we strive for in this lifetime is to cultivate those life, uh, those childlike qualities, but in an adult's wisdom, in an adult's Mm -hmm. experience. And that's really where I think the power lies when we, when we think of our inner child, when we really think of those qualities that we loved about ourselves. You know, if you think back to your own child's it like experience, you know, think, think about yourself when you were a child, what were the things and the words that you would describe yourself as, you know, uh, would it be like carefree, loving, forgiving, trust, trusting. Um, for me, I was very light and buoyant. I loved socializing and making people laugh <laughs> and, and, you know, artistic, right. Just, mm-hmm. just all these things that, that were, um, uninhibited, by an expectation that I have built over the years through my own circumventing and through my own experiences <laughs> and, and engaging again with that child really teaches me a bit more about what my life is meant to be. 
I'm not meant to change over my life and get harder and thicker, you know, thicker skinned. Uh, The world will do that to me anyway. But me as myself trying to cultivate my own childlike qualities, I have access to a power that, that I believe is developed from on high, um, especially because we learn those teachings from Christ. And so, so for me, it's really changed a lot about my parenting because I'm not interested in just trying to get them to push through childhood, to push through that point where they're not being playful, not being curious, not being forgiving. I, I, I don't want to lose those qualities, hmm. um, but I do want to help them build autonomy. And so for me, it's really just helped me, I guess, focus in a different way on the on how I parent specifically my children when I see those childlike qualities come out. Um, I think, I think for me, it was really that, that aha moment where I realized it wasn't my job to change my children. (laughs) It never was. Hmm. My, my job (laughs) is to learn from my children to, to consider the possibility that they are raising me as a parent to become more childlike, to engage more effectively with my own childlike qualities, and that really all I'm giving them is an opportunity to trust themselves as they grow up. Wow. So, yeah. Well, I love that, that <laughs> um, cycle there, though. As you are engaging in your own inner child, um, it benefits your children and how you're raising them, but likewise, honoring that in them and their qualities that you see are so valuable is remind getting you back to your own inner child. Um, wow. I, (laughs) my mind is like already blown here. I have so many other follow-up questions. (laughs) Can, can, Can we talk first about you and your experience as you were re-engaging with the qualities you had as a child and maybe some examples of, of how that shaped you? Um, even just, I know this is a fairly recent thing for you. And then I want to talk more about, this in terms of parenting. So tell me more about what kind of qualities you were trying to bring back in for you and what that all looked like. Sure. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you this, this definitely ebbs and flows. I think we all get in our head. It's easy to do that. Um, not, not only because we age and we learn to reason through life and, and to interpret not only our own thought processes, but how we perceive other people are thinking about us too, you know, that gets complicated and and cyclical, right? It doesn't ever lead anywhere great necessarily, but it's good to be meta, right? It's good to think about how you think and to evaluate how effective your thinking is regarding yourself. But I think for me, my journey in really awakening my inner child has come through some therapeutic moments. Honestly, I'll be totally open with you. Um, because I have a mental health background, um, because I had that mental health background where I was working in the schools as a professional with children, um, I had an opportunity in my graduate work to be able to work closely with therapists because those that were in my graduate program not only worked with children but also worked with adults. And so they really encouraged us to go through our own therapeutic experiences, which were very good because I think even being in the mental health world, you sometimes do hold stigmas regarding therapy. And honestly, I will be the first person to tell you that everybody has a mental health problem. Yeah, (laughs) Everybody has something worth addressing. Mm -hmm. And that's not a fault. 
it's just it's just the way that our lives have been shaped. Yeah. And so I felt grateful that I was put in a position where I had an opportunity to go through therapeutic uh, lessons. So in, in that experience, um, you know, working with, with therapists, with a therapist, um, they call out a lot of things that have been buried um, in, in yourself. And, and that unearthing process, that, that digging up process, can be really raw and hard for a lot of people. And I experienced exactly the same thing. Um, and, and during that process, uh, I had several opportunities to call upon that inner child. And whether or not you go through a traumatic experience in your childhood, a lot of us do experience trauma in our childhood because of the way we emotionally process the situation. It could have been something simplistic, like a, a bad look from a good friend, you know, can be processed in the mind as trauma just by our emotional response to it. So it's not really necessarily the actual experience, but, but more about our emotional response to that experience that develops trauma in the brain. And so at like unearthing that with a therapist, <laughs> which is a process, um, I was able to really re-engage with this child, um, with my own inner child. And I would just encourage, you know, anybody who's listening to this to, to really revisit that. And if it gets scary and is uncomfortable, then absolutely reserve it for a space with a therapist. But, but you can do your own uh, meditative practices where you just close your eyes and imagine, you know, walking into a space that's safe and clear and open and free from, I guess, what we would engage with as stressful situations in our current life, you know, so it's probably not, you know, your work setting, just, you know, an oasis of some sort. <laughs> Walk into this space and invite your inner child, you know, your younger self, I, you know, I guess your literal younger self, <laughs> invite that child to be in that space with you. And then you read that child while you're there together. So you can invite to engage with them, you know, see if they want to sit down and talk, if they want to do an activity with you. Um, you just let that meditative process and that therapeutic process really draw out what it is that your inner child needs in that moment. And for me, it's always looked different. Every time I re-engage with this inner child, you know, sometimes she wants to talk. <laughs> sometimes she wants to play. Sometimes she wanted, you know, for me, sometimes she wanted to do music together or an art project. And those are incredibly telling. What is important to your inner child is you. That is, that's the essence of you. Um, I really think that, you know, when we engage with our, um, with our, child this inner child we find these childlike mannerisms that we can incorporate as an adult um, because we we really connect well with the emotional experience related to that activity and and really it's like in the purest form right um and so and so whatever that child really wants to do you engage with the child have a discussion with the child really see how they interact with you you know are they cold and, and, you know, apathetic or do they warmth and love and empathy? And those are all telling to, to the state with which your inner child is living right now with you. And if there's elements of that inner child that you want to re-engage with, do it. You know, for me, a lot of times I'll be in these experiences where I'm connecting with my inner child and I'll get 
floods of ideas of things that I just loved that I forgot I loved. It was like, like it's like, so enlightening. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'll, came I'll back? just say one, one ex- yeah, one experience um, in, in my most recent work um, was, was I think just what, what I found to be so interesting was she was very light and buoyant and playful. And she was talking to me nonstop the whole time, uh, which I, I mean, you can tell already in this interview, I'm a talker for sure. Um, but it wasn't about the talking. It was about the engaging. It was about her sitting with someone that would listen. And that was really powerful to me because so much of my life has been spent finding a voice and, and finding those that value my voice. And so to have her speak openly, I knew that's what she wanted. I knew that's what I really wanted. But to have her exemplify it in its purest form just touched my heart again and reminded me what, you know, buoys me up, what really um, intensely uh, filled me up. And, and so to have that experience with her was just such a sweet reminder about what it is that I love in life. And it gets clouded. I mean, it's easy mm-hmm. to be distracted and clouded in this lifetime because we do get new priorities when we age. And that's fine because those things are important as well. But, you know, I'm, you already know this, but I'm very passionate about self-care and uh, really taking care of yourself on an emotional level as well and not being ashamed of that emotional level. Just knowing that wherever you're at, is, is an okay place, judgment-free, because every emotional experience we go through shapes us to be at a different emotional place for things in the future, 100%. So even difficult emotional experiences teach us about how we handle emotional, difficult emotional experiences, right? Yes. <laughs> it also helps us to be more compassionate. Yeah, also helps us to be more compassionate when we encounter others who may be going through a similar experience. There's, there's mm. really nothing wrong with having deep emotional experiences, something that wounds you, something that makes you elated, all those and everything in between is all a lesson to ourselves to to create and to understand our resiliency as a living being. And, and to me, that's all incredibly enriching in this lifetime. I just, I have to value that. I have to see its place. And I have to know that it's, it's really doing its part to shape me to be a, a more compassionate person overall. Does this that answer so, your question? Yes, this <laughs> is sure so fascinating. You know, I'm just imagining some people listening. Um, maybe they did have really difficult childhoods and, or whether or not they did, just imagining going back and engaging with their inner child um, they might feel some resistance to that idea because it seems too difficult or too um, painful. But I like how you're teaching us to do this. It's more about uh, taking it from a lens of what can I learn? And it's not that you have to revisit all the the uh, maybe sometimes traumatic events that happened or even the, um, the less traumatic but still hurtful, like you were saying earlier, um, it's, it's more about just engaging with who you were and the essence of who you were and what that can teach us about what we are missing now and what we need now. So this, that's what I'm liking about this. It's not like you're just learning. I need to climb more trees again. Although that is something certainly (laughs) I can see myself needing to spend more time in nature. (laughs) You know, it it doesn't have to just be about activities or even our qualities, but it's what we need that we're still maybe feeling some lack about. 
Yes, absolutely. I love that perspective. And for some people, it, it will be. It'll be hard and difficult. And, and you know, I've spoken about this before with other people, and sometimes their inner child will not come to them. They don't feel safe. They don't feel supported. And that's not necessarily the reflection of <laughs> what has happened in their past, but more about how their current psyche, their current sense of self treats that inner child. You know, do we beat down those childlike qualities we have in ourselves? Mm. Do we belittle ourselves for being uh, childish? You know, I think of that almost as an insult, right? You hear someone mm-hmm. say that, that that you're acting childish. And, yeah. uh, and really, I, I quite like how child, children act. Okay, so as someone who wants to do this process myself, um, I... I'm I'm the red blue personality like 50/50 and mm-hmm. I see like there there's a whole lot of contradictory um um things about me but so I really want to do this but then I have this skeptical side of me is like well how like what's the actual logistics so I'm imagining what would help me is to maybe get some photos of myself when I was young just to like remember what I looked like and kind of put myself in those shoes a little bit before I go into trying to do this um, lesson, as you said, it's like a therapeutic lesson. Um, Are there any other tips you can think of before someone would like to maybe engage in this on their own or um, with a therapist even? Yeah, you know, I'm, I wish that I had, you know, an adult mental health professional degree. So in a lot of ways, I don't feel super qualified to give information on that. I do love the power that happens with a therapist in a therapist's office. It's a very safe space Mm. to be able to do that. So if you're feeling apprehensive at all, I would say let's just reserve it for a therapist's office where you can get that real strong emotional support. (laughs) Well, and they might be able to help you read it better too. Like they they have a different lens of what what you're seeing. So maybe someone who has that inner child who doesn't even and want to talk to them, the therapist can help you figure right. out why that is much better than you probably would be able yeah. to on your own. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot to be said about a therapeutic um, perspective. I think, too, it's good for us to remember that we are incredibly knowledgeable when it comes to our own psyche. We have mm-hmm. a lot that wants to teach us and talk to us, and our own interpretation is often um, you know, if we're not caught in thinking errors, you know, real, mm-hmm. real issues is, is often what we need to know and what we need to learn. And so um, despite where your apprehension lies with this, I think that you should trust really whatever comes with that experience and, and let it teach you, as you talked about, let this, this experience, whether the child is fully engaging with you, not engaging with you, you know, is cold towards you, what, whatever it may look like as an opportunity to really look closely at how you're treating this inner child. How are you valuing what it is that you've been through in this life and those amazing qualities in yourself that are found in their purest form when you're a child? Beautiful. Okay, I'm so going to do this and I have to report back to you. (laughs) I want to hear about how this translates to parenting. You know, so much of what um, I think we see in culture, like on television or even with our own homes, we hear that you need to grow up or act your age. Um, those phrases come up a lot with children. How can we do better with this inner child in mind as we are parenting actual children? Yeah, well, that's a super great question and might be the ultimate question in parenting, Monica. <laughs> yep. So answer it now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, it's very interesting. One thing I did not anticipate when becoming a parent was facing my own demons regarding what I perceive to be acceptable behavior from a parent. Um, You know, you you carry a great burden when you raise your children. Um, It's a blessing, absolutely, and a gift. But you do carry a burden, especially those parents that have a tendency to re- play experiences either from their own childhood or maybe, you know, missteps in their parenting. Mm -hmm. And so those that that get caught up in that cycle, it becomes even more of a mind game. Honestly, the way, the way to bring back that inner child is my own mental health. Mm -hmm. So managing that balance with my own happiness, my own agreement with that inner child um, and, and finding joy in cultivating my own childlike qualities, I think that all of us can do better in that realm. In that realm. So what does um, that look like? Like if you've you know, done that experience and you can yeah. kind of see some of the qualities that you um, once have and that maybe you haven't um, engaged with in a long time, um, how are you able to bring those back in? Honestly, being a parent actually helps mm-hmm. <laughs> quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I'm reminded about my good childlike qualities when I see it in the hearts of my children. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably one of the greatest blessings that I've received as a parent is the opportunity to revisit my childlike qualities with my own children and to be able to admire that in them and really see it again in myself. Yeah. But, uh, but I think there are, there are moments where we feel unencumbered by judgment where we feel unencumbered by our own expectations for what parenting should look like and And when we when yeah and adult absolutely and when we're in those moments and we sit in them and we relish in them and we find joy in them and when we give that heightened positive emotional response to it then our mind feeds off of it it craves it and it wants to cultivate it. And I think when, when I sit in those moments, you know, maybe this is, looks like an inner dialogue with myself, like, wow, I'm feeling, you know, free, lighthearted, forgiving, playful, all those things that I love and admire in my own children. When I feel that with myself, then I, then I take a moment again to relish in it and praise myself for feeling that way. I love feeling playful, you know, saying that in my own mind. I love the Mm -hmm. fact that I can engage freely with my children, you know, just reaffirming things in our own mind to help our mind know where we want to come back to that Mm. I think is, is really powerful because it's, it's forming and, and synthesizing, you know, really solidifying, I should say those synapses in our brain that teach us that childhood is great. It is good. Mm. And those childlike qualities are absolutely acceptable and, and well-received and I think that that's what gets complicated in adulthood is, is this judgment, is this perception that however we are portraying ourselves to the world is how we'll always be perceived. And that's not true. You know, I have moments of playfulness. I have moments of being deliberate. Uh, and those can free flow. That doesn't have to, I don't have to exist in one space or another. And I think that's the gift of being a well-adjusted adult, right? Well-adjusted, mm. quote unquote, meaning I've, <laughs> meaning I've had experiences where I've where I've sat on both ends of that spectrum and that experience has taught me to be able to understand both sides of that spectrum. 
Okay. But uh, being able to to re- yeah to really solidify that, um, and and know for myself that that it's okay to sit in that space and to be happy there. Okay, I love that you're talking about giving yourself permission, um, and to be present in those moments. Um, I think it was Preston Pugmire is who I learned this from. He was on the show and. Um, he has a good podcast too called next level life. Um, he has talked about fear guised as practicality. And I think that's maybe mm. what this resistance would look like as us as adults. We have this being adult means we are practical. We don't, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't engage in our emotions. We don't try to remember our old qualities. We we're trying to stick to the script. Um, and what that really is, is fear. You know, it's fear guising itself as practicality. So I like that you're saying as giving yourself permission to, to not be so practical. Um, and I also, I can hear that you're not saying, I mean, don't have good judgment and just, uh, play all day and (laughs) don't take your kids to school. It's, it's, you're still an adult, but it's taking the wisdom we have as adults and coupling that with this knowledge that we can relearn about ourselves and how that will benefit everybody better. Yeah, absolutely. You totally, yes, you summarized that perfectly. Yeah. Okay. So I want to hear what this has looked like maybe with, maybe you can give us an example of one of your children too, and recognizing what is a quality they have um, that you want to cultivate um, within them now that you hope will stick around as they grow older. We, We are so urgent about wanting to make sure we're doing the right thing and helping them with their weaknesses, that that's too often what we see. So maybe it's starting with um, taking stock of their strengths to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, one of the things that has been really good for my understanding as far as cultivating those childlike qualities and really trying to not force them to be more practical, to be more adult-like, is just really revisiting this idea that children are incredibly resilient, incredibly resilient. That's one thing that I want to and continually work on yeah. is my ability to be as resilient as children do. Um, their, mm. their forgiveness is on, honestly unparalleled. And, you know, more so than right. anything else, I just see them push through tough situations uh, with perseverance and, and really come out on the other side conquerors, honestly. It's, it's the wow. best word to say it. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if I can necessarily say that I have an example, but I will just say that when, when you're looking at your children and trying to cultivate these childlike qualities, just know that the way that they are is perfect, that the way that they approach situations is just the way they're meant to be. And whether you see strengths or weaknesses, you know, I usually call them like strengths and, and challenges because uh, honestly, like we can overcome a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can overcome a lot through through experience, through uh, learning and growing. And and so when, when that child is presented, you know, with a challenge, my main goal is to help them see their strengths in being able to... Um, tackle a new challenge you know if they come to me saying that they're frustrated with friends they say that they're frustrated with schoolwork 
um, even a toddler frustrated with trying to speak to me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. my main goal is to not provide an outcome. That's not my goal as a parent. My goal and my job is to boost and build their confidence, to boost their sense of self and, and, and bolster it and sustain it so much so that they believe they can do anything. That's, that's my job. <laughs> and, and as tough as it is to want to problem solve and to be able to correct behavior that, you know, that, that I see as a quick solution, honestly, they have all the answers already. They have the ability to do everything that they need to in this lifetime. All they need is someone to believe in them, someone to know that they can tackle a challenge in such a way that it would put them on the other side of that challenge stronger and more confident and and incredibly accomplished. That's my main goal. (laughs) So Mm. I think for me, that's my main purpose as I look at my children's strengths, as I look at their their childlike qualities that yes, sometimes they're frustrating. Sometimes they're time consuming. Um, sometimes I feel like we're replaying scenarios that we have supposedly conquered in the past, but you know what? Their journey is theirs. And if they have to go through something multiple times, it must mean that they need to really solidify that experience in their mind. Um, or that I, as the parent, need to be paying better attention <laughs> and solidifying that learning experience for myself, too. I really don't think that anything in our parenting is a mistake. I really don't think that anything that we come face-to-face with is, is not orchestrated, that, that a wise and all-knowing Father in Heaven, hopefully it's okay for me to get a little preachy here, but yep. that, that he knows that our, <laughs> that our children come to us in a specific way with specific tendencies to call out things in ourselves that need to be corrected. I believe that 100%. And, and I'm going to err on the side that my child knows better than me. If I have an opportunity to look at the situation with younger eyes, I will do it because it's uncorrupted. It's uninhibited. It's unencumbered. You know, I feel the weight of adulthood sometimes gets me down, right? Mm-hmm. And children just don't have that. They they don't understand, you know, perceptions and, and other people's perspectives. And that, you know, is a very great basis for establishing a strong sense of self. Now, the world will teach them about themselves, you know, about other people. The world will teach them about getting that thick skin and about learning to think about other people. I don't want to put that aside at all because it's an important skill set that comes with time. But if I really want to get down to the heart of what it is that I can learn from my children and from my inner self, it's that I can do anything, that whatever I was given um, is, is more than enough to tackle life's challenges and life's struggles. And as I understand that about my children, then my confidence in them is also bolstered. I believe, you know, that I'm just really creating a support system and a cheerleading section for them to, to problem solve really. Right. And to build such a a wide array of skill sets that I could never teach on a one-on-one, you know, each situation basis. It would be too meticulous. Whereas failures 
and and overcoming large challenges that are very dynamic. You know, they have social aspects, they have mental aspects, they have physical aspects. Those will all come naturally. Challenges in life come every single day. And so if I just embrace those challenges, really help my child to identify what it is that's difficult about the situation, cheer them on, you know, and give them, give them tips along the way, <laughs> you know, not problem solve for them, but give them real tips, then they're going to learn far more than I could ever teach them one-on-one. Okay. So what you're saying is you're not giving them a script basically on this is how you improve this problem or this behavior that you are facing. You are enabling them to be a producer, um, to be a producer towards solving their own problems. If there's someone who's listening to this and they're like, but what do I do when, when my three-year-old or my four-year-old is, you know, hurting someone or doing something really, really naughty? Like, how does that actually look? It, it, helping them become a producer of how to solve their own problems. Absolutely, that's a great, great question. So, uh, with my with my specific professional background, I actually yeah. focus almost exclusively on emotional regulation and behavior management. Right, so I'm very passionate about that too. Uh, behaviorism lives well in this household. We we implement yeah. a lot about behaviorism. Um, I think what what step we often miss in behaviorism, and potentially with problematic behaviors, is the function of that behavior, which almost always is an emotional connection. So meaning the so function lacking, meaning they're yeah. they're doing something. It's it's not that it's it's speaking to a deep deeper problem, like an emotional problem. A behavior on the outside is actually something is reflecting something more on the inside. Is that what you're saying? No, it doesn't even have to go that deep, okay. honestly. Um yeah, so often we see problematic behaviors because uh, an emotion is not being acknowledged is the easiest way to put it so you would say you know you would see with a three or a four-year-old if they're hurting someone then it's often a a physical expression of an emotional problem Mm -hmm. so there's a frustration with what the other child is doing you know they they sense a lack of control so okay. for me, I stop those situations. Absolutely. I mean, especially when it comes to like, <laughs> like figure it out yourself, that's, keep that's punching the... your brother. <laughs> um, no, I just want to make that clear. So people you, knew, yeah. you know, who are listening, aren't going to give this pushback. Well, you, you don't just let kids like eat whatever <laughs> they want or like hurt each other and have their own roles. That's not what you're saying. So uh, I want you to yeah, direct people what this looks like so that they can engage in it better in their homes yeah. and not blame us for, um, someone getting stabbed or something. <laughs> yes, that's, that's a great <laughs> clarification. So you as a parent serve as a coach in this scenario. Okay. So we don't let, we don't let uh, athletes in a game, you know, pummel each other, right? Mm. There, there are restrictions, there, there are boundaries, absolutely. So you as the coach step in to address an emotional response and create a replacement behavior for a problematic one. So say, for instance, we're talking about a three-year-old here who is hitting another child. So we, you know, whether that's a physical restraint or just a verbal directive, you know, require the child to stop. I I come down eye to eye with that child, which is very, very important. Okay. So I I come eye to eye down with that child and I say, uh, help me understand why you're feeling upset right now. And, and then I, you know, if they don't know how to communicate what emotion is attached to it, I can give coaching again. It seems to me that you're frustrated with your brother. Mm-hmm. Am I understanding that right? 
And okay. so we begin to replace the, the physical connection of expressing anger to a verbal one. And that's always, you know, the beginning placement of a replacement behavior um, is, is giving them the words to be able to communicate what it is that they're trying to with their body. Mm. So, so I come in as a coach and I, and I restructure that and I, and I set the standard and the boundary for behavior. So I would say, you know, we have this discussion about the emotion that's present. <laughs> and then I say, yeah, I can understand why you would feel frustrated for X, Y, Z, you know, acknowledge what it is that the specific to the situation right there. Again, eye to eye with the child. There's no shame regarding an emotional response. That's what I okay. want to emphasize. Yeah. Everybody, everybody experiences a wide array of emotional responses, even adults, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And nobody's expected to be happy and get along all the time. It's just not the way we are as dynamic beings. So I acknowledge it without shame, right? You know, I'm not happy, right? But I don't have a heightened emotional response because the child will always match it. They will always match it. Mm -hmm. So, So I come to the situation and boldly as a coach would step in, stop it give them a, an, a tool of empowerment, right? Put the words in their mouth that help them to know what they should do instead. So, yeah, it seems like you're very frustrated. You feel a lack of control. You would have rather your brother did blah, 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 you know, explain what it is. I Instead of hitting him, you need to. So I do, you know, what, what it is that was the problematic behavior and then the replacement behavior is set up as a you need to. So that's, that's how we give clear directives on changes of behavior. It's never like, um, I would like you to, you know, it's, there's no softness here. <laughs> yes, there's still I correction see. happening. Yes. Yes. And, and then when you give them an opportunity to, to replace it, then you have them practice. So those are, those are my Love key that. behaviorisms. They, yeah, obviously gets much more complicated, but yeah. you better believe I am, a, I definitely step in as a coach. There's, there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say controversy or, or conflict, but there, there is, you know, there's, there's a lot of resistance to being in a little body with a giant spirit. Okay. Mm. There's a lot to learn in this world and to perceive, and you can better believe that the number one uh, reasoning behind aggressive or uncontrolled, you know, what seems to look like uncontrolled behavior is frustration. So that's usually my go-to. I, I laugh because my <laughs> when my oldest, she, she, was a, she was a baby when I was working as a professional. So I was well into the world of mental health and behaviorism when she was, an in, when she was a toddler. And so I joke and laugh at the fact that one of her very first words, I would say within 10 to 15 first words, was frustrated. <laughs> That's so great. She would, yeah. Yeah. I'm she would frustrated. Act, she would act out, right? Yeah. It's so funny. So cute. Um, she would act out and I would try to give her power, right? I would give her mm. an opportunity to communicate with me what it is that was hard for her in her life. And you better believe it's frustration. That's a hard thing for a little person. They're managing a very big world with which they are constantly acted upon. You know, our schedules, what they have to eat, when when they can go outside to play, when they need to go to bed, all those things are not really in their control very much. And that can be very frustrating. And I actually think that, that structure is very good for a child. But at the same time, it can be very frustrating, especially with those independent spirits, those that are anxious to build their autonomy. So finding that balance is a complicated 
situation. But I will just say that, yes, I absolutely believe in structure and in managing a, a child's behavior. I think what I was trying to teach there and touch on is really just building their belief that you will stand behind them in whatever physical, emotional, mental experience that they may face. And, and really, one of your main goals is to be emotionally present and responsive to your child in whatever they're going through. Because even from toddlerhood, even from infancy, your child is constantly learning what a quality relationship looks like and feels like. And so as we cultivate that over the years, and as things get more complicated, you know, that's why my hard talks, I think, have been so well received is because it's really more about a mindset really more about um, creating a safe emotional space with the child so that whatever they're going through, they will come to you. They will seek your coaching. They'll seek your advice. They'll trust you. And they'll really know and be able to clearly identify what a quality relationship looks like. And, and that's, I think, is a great, a great goal for us as a parent is to just model what it's like to, fe- to feel and to be loved. So I try to keep it within that frame, if that makes sense. That's wonderful. No, this was all very clear. So I think connecting this to our thoughts and our discussion on inner child, I the connection I see is when you talked about giving yourself permission to engage with your inner child, and that means going, giving yourself permission to feel things, honestly. And I think that's what you're teaching us about how to translate this to parenthood, is giving your child um, and your, and your children permission to feel, um, and to feel supported in their emotions and to learn how to work their way through it with autonomy, with time and practice and guidance with you as the coach. Um, what do you think? Did I, have I got that connection? Okay. Yes, that's brilliant. Perfect okay. synopsis. Yes. All right. Wow. Nina, you are so good at this. You have so much knowledge and, and expertise for one, but the way you practice it too. I mean, I, I see this clearly within your own family, just what this looks like, the fruit of this work you are doing, it's there already. And I really hope that people follow you. And I know you're going to have some upcoming things that we will share um, when those are available for people. Like um, you tell us what you might think might be in store for people in the near future. If they're like, I need yeah, to know absolutely. everything from this woman, which I'm, I know all of them well. <laughs> well, I do love the space for Instagram, and I think I will be utili- utilizing that quite a bit. So I'd love to have us connect over there. It's one of my very favorite things is to be able to feel that one-on-one connection with people that are utilizing my, my tools mm-hmm. and using them in their home and then seeing, again, those fruits of what it is that they've worked so hard and diligently to implement. I love that. And that really feeds me. So I'm going to be doing some live events where people can come and hear me speak and, and give some advice here in the next coming months. But right now I've just got a website where you can read a bit about my content. I again, cover a diverse amount of topics for sure. Uh, but I, I love sharing that knowledge and, and giving it a space where you can come back to it and reread it. Uh, Likewise, I've got a podcast where I simply just read what it is that I share on that website so that if you're on the go, if you're a busy parent and you're interested in hearing that content but don't have time to sit down to it, that you can just turn on the podcast with wherever you're at and hear 
hear me speaking in your ear, giving you advice, cheering you on, and, and really giving you some effective tools to be able to reform and, and tweak your parenting um, as you try to cultivate greater love and emotional responsiveness in your home. So I, I love using those platforms because uh, it really helps a variety of people in a variety of, um, I guess, interests, whether that's, you know, social media platform or, or a website or, or a podcast. So I'd love to have you guys follow me along there. Well, thank you, Nina. I know I'm going to share what you have to offer near and far, and I will be taking part myself. You are fabulous. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate my chance to share a little bit more about what I'm passionate about. So thank you. Isn't Nina such a force? I meant what I said at the beginning. She is totally a Renaissance woman. She is that person that you go follow for tips on everything, parenting, nutrition, beauty, hair, you name it. She knows so much, but what I love is that she's centered in compassion towards herself and to others. And she makes you feel like you can stand up and do it too alongside of her. How are you going to better embrace your own inner child for you and for the children in your life? And what can this look like for you? I'd love it if you share on my Instagram page about progress. I'll be making some comments about this the next week and asking for your own feedback about what you learned and how you're going to actually make this happen in your own life. Before I leave you today, I want to remind you that I have a goal this year to reach 500 ratings and reviews as well as 500,000 downloads. If you liked what you heard today, share it, share it, share it. I don't care how. Make sure people hear it and leave me a rating and review. It's super easy. If you have an iPhone, you can do it on the app or on your desktop on iTunes. I'd be so grateful to do that. My heart and soul is poured into this every single episode and I'd love if you can show up for me in that way. And if you've already done so, thank you. I am truly grateful for you. Next Wednesday, I'll have another great interview for you. And until then, take care of yourself.